Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in on a beautiful, I mean, a gorgeous Friday afternoon. Hope everybody doing well, getting ready for the weekend. Uh, hey, enjoy this, enjoy this gorgeous weather because it looks like before the weekend's over, we're gonna we're gonna have a little rain. But man, what a gorgeous day today! What a great uh, great way to wrap up the week. And uh, we hope you will uh, stick with us. Join us, as a matter of fact, here on the Friday edition of the Drive. It's Bill and Coach Don Dunn. Bill and Don is Dan uh, is halfway through with the road trip. As the uh, Troy women uh, played Louisiana Monroe last night, and they have got uh, Southern Miss this weekend. Dan will be back on Monday. Don's in instead, and we really appreciate uh, you being with us one more time, uh, Don. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here on a, such a beautiful Friday afternoon. Oh, it really is. There's and there's a a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, Earlier today, the Southeastern Conference and Big Ten announcing that they are joining forces. It's very, I mean, right now, there are not a lot of details, but this is an effort to, uh, you know, try to do something about the state of college athletics now with NIL and the transfer portal. I mean, this may be the first step from breaking away from the NCAA. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I saw that uh, about an hour ago, and uh, it's interesting. But like we talked yesterday and all week and all month and the last basically year, we have to do something. They have to do something to try to get some control. You're losing coaches. Mm-hmm. The players are jumping. Uh, I just don't know how you control it, but it is out of hand. But maybe that's, a, like you said, a, a start to something that's going to be positive. Now, the way it is being described right now is that the two conferences have formed a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletics directors to, quote, address the significant challenges facing college athletics and how to, and they also said, and how to improve the student athlete's experience. So they want everyone to make, including, they want the student athletes to know we're not we're not trying to take things away from you, but there, there's no question that everyone feels like there, there have to be some parameters, there have to be some guidelines. Yeah. Um, and and you, you, you just also wonder, I mean, we've already seen the Pac-12 go bye-bye. I mean, you know, the, the 10 of the uh, – well, actually, 12 of the 14 teams left mm-hmm. and joining other conferences. And so, I mean, people were saying, well, it's the power four – it's really, in all intents and purposes, it's it's the big two. It's the power yeah. two, the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, no doubt. They uh, they are the two strongest conferences. And uh, 
It'll be interesting, like you said, Bill, um, but I think it is a positive thing. Oh, I agree. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but when you get all those guys, if you can get them all together, like you said, the ADs, the coaches, the administrators, and the presidents, that is a real positive. Yeah, Tony Petiti, the Big Ten commissioner, uh, said that the group, the advisory group, was formed in reaction to recent court decisions pending litigation, a patchwork of state laws, and complex government proposals. Petiti went on and said the Big Ten and the SEC have a substantial investment in the NCAA, and there is no question that the voices of our two conference are integral to governance and other reform efforts. Hmm. And he went on and said, we recognize the similarity in our circumstances as well as the urgency to address the common challenges we face. So they're putting it out there to the NCAA like, okay, um, you know, we have a substantial investment in the in you. Now we're getting together. We're going to form an advisory group. And, you know, I, 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 would, I would guess they will be advising the NCAA as to what needs to be done to try to keep things under control. Yeah. Um, again, I think that's good. Uh, there's just so much – invested uh you know the money the uh, tv rights all those things but we have to get it under control and i think they're kind of saying to the ncaa okay now listen and let's get something well they say done. we're going to have a united front here between the the two most powerful right. conferences and you need to make sure everybody everybody else is on the same page so that when you know when some decisions are made they're you know they're good to go. Exactly. Greg Sankey with a statement saying there are similar cultural and social impacts on our student athletes, our institutions, and our communities because of the new collegiate athletics environment. He said, he continued, we do not have predetermined answers to the myriad questions facing us. We do not expect to agree on everything, but enhancing interaction between our conferences will help focus efforts on common sense solutions. Yeah. Great. So, uh, I mean, this is just the start, but I think this is this is very very big news. You have to wonder how 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 are the ACC and the Big Ten feeling? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, ACC I think's nervous. Uh, you know, Florida State. You know, they're the Florida bo- State's trying to get out. As, yeah. I mean, they're trying yeah. to do whatever they can yeah. to get and, out. Uh, and you know, the North Carolinas, they, they got to be uncomfortable. I would imagine. Oh, yeah, no question about it. So that is a very interesting news today on the eve of a huge basketball weekend. You've got uh, four top ten matchups. You've got two versus six, three versus seven, four versus eight, and five versus ten in the uh, in college basketball this weekend. The 5-10 matchup is an SEC matchup in Lexington where Kentucky is an underdog <laughs> at home to Tennessee. Right. Big weekend, uh, like you said, North Carolina State and Duke. Auburn goes to Ole Miss. Going to be a tough environment. Um, then you got Kentucky and Tennessee. Exciting uh, weekend for basketball. Oh yeah, no question about it. Auburn with quite the challenge as they head to Oxford, Mississippi. Ole Miss, uh, one of the unbeaten's at home in the SEC. They're thirteen and zero at home. Wow. And. Uh, They've been they've been pointing to this ball game since Auburn hammered them at Neville Arena earlier. So um, we we did want to let you know a couple of things. Um, we were not able to get hold of Dylan Cardwell yesterday, but 
Jacob was able to get him before the team left earlier today. So we'll have Tiger Takes coming up this afternoon. Um, we'll go ahead and run it. Uh, we'll run it in the 5 o'clock hour the way we normally do on Thursdays. So our thanks to, uh, to Jacob, uh, Jacob Goins, the, the host of On the Line, who was able to get, uh, get up with uh, Dylan Cardwell earlier. We've got uh, some other audio for you. Baseball season starts two weeks from today. College baseball two weeks from today. And uh, we had an opportunity. I, I, told, I told folks, well, I, uh, I don't have as many excuses now about being able to make some press conferences. Because <laughs> when, I, when I had a full-time job during the day and it revolved around classes, it's tough to just get away yeah. at different times and, and be able to go catch uh, press conferences. But now that I'm all of two days into retirement, <laughs> uh, I have the time to go over at 1 o'clock this afternoon. And uh, we've got uh, some questions and answers for Gabe Gross and Carl Nunnemaker as the Tigers two weeks away from getting uh, the season opened up on February the 16th. So we'll run that for you a little bit later on. One thing that we're, we're uh, um, sad to report, uh, Barrett Salee, Going to be, he is going to be joining us on Fridays at 4:15, but he had something come up today, and uh, he he apologized profusely. Going, man, I'm really sorry. It's the first day I'm supposed to be with you, <laughs> but I mean, when things come up, they come up. So right. we will uh, we'll catch up with Barrett next week. So uh, so we're wide open for a little while. I think we'll run the baseball around the bottom of the hour. So uh, we're going to open up the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind, sports wise? as we get underway here on the Friday edition of The Drive with Bill and Don. Drew once again at the controls, and you can get through to us by calling The Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar, that number, 334-321-1390, or you can uh, text us on The Drive text box, and that number is uh, 334-564-1840. Some news regarding Auburn football today as the board of trustees at their regular meeting today, we had uh, we we had gotten word and said that the board was expected to approve a new video board for the north end zone of uh, Jordan Hare Stadium, and today Auburn uh, announcing that as part of the planned renovation and improvement of the north end zone, the video board has been has been approved. This uh, this new video board's not going to be quite as large as the one in the south end, but it's still, I believe, I saw where it is going to be the sixth largest video <laughs> board. The one in the south end zone is the biggest. Yes, in in college football. Right. Uh, this will be the sixth largest. I wasn't sure if it's the sixth largest. I will re- hold on. I'll I'll find the release that we uh, that we got. Um, let's see. Um, it's well. Let me give you the dimensions first. It is forty-seven feet high and one hundred and fifty-four feet wide. The one Auburn has right now is, is fifty-seven feet high and one hundred and ninety feet wide. So this one's not going to be uh, as big. It will be the sixth largest video board of the SEC, top twenty nationally. Of course, the uh, the one in the South End Zone still is the largest video board in the country. So folks that that are sitting in the south end, won't have to try to turn around and look behind. And, you know, when you're that close to a video board, can't you can't see, see what exactly. it is anyway. Right. 
you'll get to, uh, they will be able to see. So folks on the southern half uh, will have that video board in the north end zone. Now, younger son, um, that, but they're going to gymnastics tonight. Big gymnastics yes. squad meet tonight. Yes. And already, I dropped dropped uh, uh, Gigi, uh, my my wife, the grandma, and she's not grandmother. She's Gigi. <laughs> dropped her off because she's going to help uh, watch over uh, our our granddaughter this afternoon. And then I'm going to go join her. But yeah, Matt was asking me. He goes, uh, "Do you think we'll be able to see the video board?" Because we have an interesting situation, Don. Mm-hmm. Our seats, and I got these back when I was uh, assistant ticket manager uh, for for uh, Mr. B for Bill Beckwith okay. back in the in the uh, in in eighty nine and ninety. I was in the ticket office. There. Okay, I thought that would be you know I was in radio and I thought right. I thought that would be just the greatest thing to be able to be working. I mean and and I, I love the thought of working with athletics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I had a chance to do some radio and things right. like that. But this, I thought, man, this would be great. I, I, I loved a lot of it because I love numbers and I like dealing with people. But let me tell you, <laughs> um, when, when, when you're responsible for the uh, family tickets and prospects getting in, you don't get to watch the ball game no. for a while. I mean, I was lucky if I could get in in the middle of the second quarter right. and see some of the ball game. And that just that, that killed me. I mean, it was, uh, um, it, it was awful not being able to see what happened for the first quarter and a half. I was fortunate enough to, uh, to be here and got um, the legendary Phil Neal, who used to do Auburn uh, program covers, mm-hmm. to do the artwork for the ticket the special ticket we had for the first ever Iron Bowl at Auburn. Wow. So, I mean, I, I, I was able to uh, be a part of that. Um, and, and as a result of working there, we had, we had some pretty decent seats. And mm-hmm. I was able to – I had, you know, tickets for, for my wife and myself. And actually Scott was three or four, and Matt, was, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt came along during the 90 season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had those tickets – and I was able to purchase a couple others right there. So, and when I left the ticket office, because I wanted to actually be able to watch all of the games, I wanted to be able to talk about them a little bit. That's another thing. Yeah. As an athletic department employee, anything I heard, I had to keep quiet. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, for sure. <laughs> so I, I really miss that. So I got back, got back into the radio gig. But uh, mm-hmm. but we've had really good, we've had really good seats that are under the upper deck on the west side and they're on the top row because at the time there were the four of us and my mom and dad mm-hmm. and mom was having some uh physical um problems she ended up losing a leg mm-hmm. so i mean it was very handy to be able to for her to be able to take the elevator up go across the concourse and the first row there were our seats, and they're on the they're on the aisle. They're under the upper deck. You've got a wall, that little right. half wall at your back. Great seats. We've mm-hmm. loved them. We've kept those seats. We've had those since 1989. Wow. Uh, the only problem is when the video board went in, the upper deck hangs over, and we can't see the upper two thirds of the video board. Mm-hmm. All you can see is the bottom. Right. So. Uh, so yeah, so that's why that's why Matt was, he was asking, asking. You think we'll be able to see the other one? Because it's 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 frustrating. 
Uh, especially, I mean, you know, uh, look, we love those tickets. They ain't cheap. Oh, no. Uh, no. To, to keep those seats. I mean, you know, we're, yeah. we're TUF and we're, oh, yeah. we're paying to keep the right yep. to keep those seats. Yep. It's very frustrating when there's something on the board and you can't you can't tell what it is. Yeah. That's so tough. so hopefully we'll be able to see the the uh, the the new video board in the north end zone. The other thing, and I've I've mentioned this every time every year, I get a survey asking uh, the experience at Jordan here, and they have really worked to try to make things better. You know the the uh, the concessions and 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 things are much better than they've been. I, I do have one suggestion that I would make to the to the folks uh, to to. Uh, John Cohen and and to the folks that um, for the people that do sit under the upper deck and may have an obstructed view of either board, Mm -hmm. there are monitors, right? They put TV monitors up on the underside of that, uh, of the upper deck and they do it all the way around the stadium, but they're not showing what's on the video board. So, so you'd have something else, some, you know, commercials or whatever running. In the meantime, there's big things going on in the video board and you have no idea what they are. So right, that, that, would, would, that would be nice if at least every other one would show. So if you did have an obstructed view of the mm-hmm. video board, then you'd be able to see that. But I, I am, I'm, I'm very glad that they're doing that. That, the, that North scoreboard has been there forever. Yeah. I mean, it's been there uh, since the 70s that I know of. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was way, way past time to get something done there. And what I think is really neat is the infrastructure of there. It's going to be uh, not attached to the stands the way the south end zone scoreboard mm-hmm. is, video mm-hmm. board is. It's going to be on a platform behind it with uh, space in it so that they can go ahead and account for future renovations. And that would be probably include, you know, premium seating, mm-hmm. a concourse area, a more concessions and things like that. So right. I, I, th- I think that is, uh, that's a great idea that that's yeah, being done. For sure. And I, from what I understand, they're going to start at the end of this upcoming season. Well, you know, I saw where Jason, I, I saw uh, Jason Caldwell wrote this and I saw him mm-hmm. over um, at the baseball press conference. Jason said, they're going to start on this. Uh, they're going to start on it this summer. Okay. And their hopes that it could be ready before the 24 season is over, but they, there are no guarantees. Right. So the, the assurances are it would be full go by the start of the 25 season, but okay. there's a chance okay. Maybe, that, that know, it could be done just depending on, you know, the weather, weather and, yeah. and yeah, the, if, yeah. if they don't run into any, any problems and you yeah. all, and oh, you, yeah. you always oh, have yeah. those in construction. Yeah, well, that's good. That's exciting. Oh, absolutely. All right. So we're just underway here on the, Friday edition of The Drive. Love for you to join in. 334-321-1390. That's The Drive Hotline presented by Skybar as we uh, get to our first break here on The Friday Drive. Life isn't made for joint or orthopedic pain. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill, Coach Don Dunn, Drew at the controls, and let's get to the drive hotline. And Jones is up first. Hey, Jones. Good afternoon, folks. How are you guys doing? Man, doing great on a gorgeous Friday. Yes, sir. Agreed. Um, Coach, let me ask you a question um, regarding Terry Beasley. You know, I'm I'm in that age group, and and, uh, I've 
cut my teeth on watching Auburn football in the 60s and 70s. And as a coach and, and an evaluator of football talent, could you please just tell me a little bit about the if you feel like Terry Beasley could play in today's game and what would be the reason you would say that? Because uh, I knew really nothing about speed and weight and all that stuff watching him as you know growing up. And I know that you probably have instincts. What, just what do you feel? I need to hear something about Terry Beasley. Well, the number one thing, uh, Jones, is he was such a competitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a tough, hard-nosed uh he hated to lose. He could catch. He had great hand-eye coordination, uh, good hands. Not good hands, great hands. It seems like he could get open. And in today's world, I think he'd be better because of the spread offense. And, uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing about him is just his competitive, competitive nature and how tough he was. Yeah, I will say this, Jones. I mean, uh, having, having you know had the chance to see him play live – uh, quite a few times because we didn't get to see that many games on TV back then anyway. But, uh, right. you know, he he was he had plenty enough size mm-hmm. to be playing today. He never minded. As a matter of fact, he seemed to enjoy going over the middle and being challenged by people. He never backed away. That's one thing. I, I mentioned it yesterday. You know, I, I recall, you know, he, there's no question he had multiple concussions. Yeah. I mean, uh, back then, defensive backs could take much bigger shots on players than they can now. And he would, you know, if if if, if it was humanly possible, he'd be right back in as quickly as he could in the ball game. But I mean, tremendous hands. He was he was a uh, he was one of the fastest players uh, of his time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was um, you know he's he's a guy that the 49ers drafted him in the first round. And if he'd stayed healthy, I think he'd have been a he'd have been a great NFL receiver as well. So, no, I think his ability really carries over well. And I agree, Don. I think the way the game has changed to favor the offense mm-hmm. even more, yeah, he'd he'd absolutely be a be an outstanding player in in these times. And and you have to also remember there was no targeting rules back then. Absolutely. And the quarterback was could be hit a lot oh a lot more. Man, I mean you you remember some of the nicknames yeah. that the yeah. defensive players had. I yeah. mean Jack Tatum yeah. was the assassin. Right. And I mean it was guy it was they'd yeah. take pride on that and and that's why I mean it was it was very dangerous to go over the middle. Uh, because you know the, you'd see forearm shots to the head and yeah. things like and, that back then. And another thing the equipment I mean, you know, oh, you're right. You know the helmets you didn't have, have near the padding. No, and he was just a tough, tough guy. And uh, yeah, it's a shame that we lost him. But I, I tell you what, he had a good quarterback too, and that helped. Yeah, my it, goodness, it, it really did. When you have that combination of, of you, you hear of those Pat two to names, Terry. you know, oh, yeah. those two names just go together. It's cool. Well, I'll tell you guys, it warms my heart to hear those comments. And I, you know, I just, I, I love those times during. You know, watching Auburn with Sullivan and Beasley and Alvin Bressler and, mm, and Dick uh, Schmaltz. And oh, guys. absolutely. Man, just incredible memories. And the the uniforms were so cool, too. And I can still see those two guys on that bench, that picture. Yeah. The they, big shoulder big pads. Big shoulder pads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tough kids. Wow. No, not kids. Wow. They were grown men. Right. Well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to discuss that and hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, you too, Jones. Great hearing from you. Thank you. 334-321-1390. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise here on this Friday afternoon. Again, we've got uh, uh, we, we've got some audio from Auburn assistant baseball coaches 
Greg Gross, Carl Nunnemaker coming up. Tell you what we'll do. We'll go ahead and get to break because I know it's a little longer than 15 minutes. We may not run all of it. Uh, and if we have some calls, we'll go ahead and, and get to them. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling some baseball on, on a day like today. Oh, yeah. So stick with us here on the Friday Drive. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back to the Friday edition of the drive. 29 minutes away from 5 o'clock. Bill and Coach Don Dunn here in the studio with Drew at the controls. And, yeah, we have some audio that we'll, we'll run when we get the opportunity about Auburn baseball, but your calls come first, and let's get to the drive hotline. Sponsored by Skybar and Rain Man is up. Hey, Rain Man. Hey, Bill. How are you doing today? All right. I was just thinking I, I, I may need to get you to uh, to help me out here in the next couple of weeks. Well, come by and see me one day <laughs> next week. We'll get you square. Now, speaking of that, if uh, Bill Murray had been stuck in a day like today in that movie Groundhog Day, probably wouldn't have been in such a hurry to get out of it, would he? No, you're not kidding. I mean, uh, Man, I'll tell you, I wore shorts and t-shirt today. It's been lovely. It really has. <laughs> hey, I heard you talking the other day, and apparently there was some conversation about a new coach we've hired who has gray hair, and there was some issue or something, and people about his age. Oh, I don't know. It's about his age. Uh, I mean, DJ Durkin's got some gray hair, but he's only 47. Well, uh, well, well I'm 27 days away from my 48th birthday myself. And uh, I, I'm for you know me I'm I'm as silver as you can be, uh, but I, I still got it going on upstairs a little bit. I, I think I can handle what I have to do in life. Oh yes, uh, that... maybe maybe his gray hairs won't impede his ability to do his job. I surely don't think so. I mean, there are a lot of folks that uh, uh, that 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 are a lot grayer and uh, a lot younger than I that still have 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 it all going on. I I'm not concerned about that at all. Well, I heard you had retired recently, I'm guessing, from the university. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, congratulations. Uh, well, thanks, thanks. It's uh, two whole days now, and I, I was telling Don, I, I slept till 8.30 this morning, man. I really, oh, my goodness. Are you bored out of your mind yet? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I got pl- I've got plenty to do around the house and yard, so. Well, that's what everybody say when they retire. They just get bored. They don't know what to do with themselves. Well, most, like most people, when they retire, don't, don't have a, a radio show in the afternoons, too, though. You got a little something. Yeah, occupied. that's right. All right. No, no rocking chairs yet. Nah, I've got a couple, but no, <laughs> not 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 planted in them yet. Yeah, sir. Well, come by, Phoebe. We'll get you fixed up. I'll do it, man. Have a great weekend. You too. All right, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That is the drive hotline sponsored by Skybar. As I mentioned, uh, Auburn baseball getting underway two weeks from today, and we had the opportunity today to uh, spend a little time with Auburn assistants Gabe Gross and Carl Nunnemaker. Thought we'd let you hear some of that. It's just for Carl, you know you guys brought in a lot for the infield. Um, just kind of what have you seen out of those those transfers who are kind of coming in and competing, and how do you just kind of see the infield shaking out coming into the year? Yeah. You know, there, there's three guys with a lot of experience, and Cooper Weiss, Javon Hernandez, and Derek Fabian. To go along with some returning players that have some experience too, you know, I think of Caden Green who started every day on a team that, you know, hosted a regional last year. But those guys have shown a lot of baseball awareness, uh, a lot of savvy, uh, a real good workmanlike mentality. So they've been great additions. They have, they all have really good feel for the game, and I think you'll see 
all three of them playing a big part, you know, of our offense and, and on the infield. Jason. Yeah, kind of the same question. You get you know, Stanfield back, Bobby Pierce back, bringing Mason Maynard, but you got, a, you got a lot of options in an outfield spot. Is it kind of just kind of figuring out the bits and pieces together now? Yeah, it, it is. You're right. When you look around, I, I think we got experience in the outfield. Bobby, uh, we kind of mess with him. He's, you know, he, he probably should be running a company by now or something. But uh, uh, a lot of baseball experience in right field. Um, you know, Chris came in the middle of the year, started playing, uh, still, still learning a little bit from center field. Played left last year, uh, being kind of the captain out there. Mason is a senior. He's he's played three years of college baseball and. Uh, and you got two freshmen, Cole Edwards and Kay Ballou, who are top to bottom, uh, if you will, about as talented as anybody we have. And they're just young, and they're still learning and growing. But, man, you come watch them in practice a couple days, and you can tell these kids can really play baseball. And so we, we've got depth. Another guy, you know, Javon Hernandez has played a little bit of outfield. Uh, we've popped Ike Irish out there a little bit. Just you never know where the, where the season may take you. Uh, and so we, we've definitely got, got options. Um, you know, it, it, I, I joke with the guys uh, when I'm moving them around. It's like when, when you unleash the dogs of war, you never know where it's going to go. And, and that coming when the season starts, uh, you don't ever know. Uh, and it's not always nice to have options, whether it's a pulled hamstring or uh, just whatever, a sore arm. Uh, you got to be able to play multiple spots. And so we've kind of cross-trained every one of those guys to play in different spots. But, uh, you know, right now as it stands, you know, Bobby and right, Chris and center, and, and Mason and left, and those other guys kind of filling in in all different places. Adam. I guess for Gabe, you know, you bring back Ike, who obviously had an incredible freshman year, but just a guy who I know when he came in was really developed at the plate, but just how have you seen him kind of grow um, as a hitter this offseason? One, one thing that Ike doesn't lack and that really every great hitter doesn't lack is, is confidence. Uh, Ike is, is so sure of himself that he is going to find a way to hit the ball uh, and hit the ball hard, and his, his compete gene uh, is through the roof. Um, he lives and breathes uh, to be in the competition in the box. And I, I've seen that only grow. Uh, even as a freshman, he was like that, but now he's got a year of experience knowing he's faced the best of the best. He's had success. Uh, he's had big moments. Uh, I think if you're, you're talking about the technical aspect a little bit, I, I, I think he would tell you, I would tell you as well, that with the amount of talent he has, I think the ability to to hit the ball out of the ballpark is, is going to increase uh, as he gets older, uh, really learns how to have his legs underneath him a little bit more. But um, I, I think that's it. I think the, the growth and maturity of the leadership uh, with him, uh, we stopped the video yesterday just to watch him uh, leg out a double that shouldn't have been a double. Uh, and, and, you know, Coach Thompson makes a comment, you know, when you're, when you're one or two uh, most talented players uh, are busting it out of the box and, and legging, um, what should be singles into doubles in inter-squad games in, in early February, um, man, you know some leadership's taking place. And I, so there, there's a little bit uh, of some adjustments with the hitting side that I think is going to help him drive the ball uh, a little bit more. Um, but I, I love the growth and maturity of the confidence that is just oozing out of him uh, along with the leadership that he's going to play the game a certain way and everybody else is going to too. Brian? Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, first, Carl, um, go, going ahead and continue on that. Um, how is uh, how's he looking at as, as a catcher? You know, how is he developing those skills defensively? He, he looks really good. Ike's a really good athlete. You know, he was a high school quarterback before he, you know, stopped playing uh, playing football later in his high school career. 
Um, he's a pretty good runner for a guy that size. He has a great arm. You know, I think coming out of high school, he had one of the strongest arms in the whole catching class, you know, on a radar gun. So he's become more accurate with his throwing, a little bit more consistent there. His hips are pretty good behind the plate. He does talk a lot, as Gabe was saying. You know, he talks and leads. So that's something that, you know, Coach Thompson, you know he's going to want a catcher that's going to be able to really do a great job communicating, which I think, you know, all of our guys will. So there's a, there's a lot of growth that's happened in the, in, in the last six to eight months, and he's played a lot of baseball. And right now we're playing four games a week, and he's catching about three of them, maybe playing outfield the other. So there, there's been a lot of growth, and there's more with, with his, his athleticism that, that could take place. And Gabe, um, who are some of the candidates for the DH? And has anybody sort of caught your eye, a newcomer or a young guy, maybe swinging the bat really, really well so far in preseason? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of candidates to DH. It's one of my, um, I guess, biggest challenges. I feel like I've got multiple guys that I'm going to be trying to, to get at bats for um, that, that I feel like could help us. Uh, you know, the, the, the two young outfielders I mentioned, uh, Edwards and Ballou, uh, are definitely candidates in that area. You got uh, transfer Christian Hall, uh, that could be a candidate in that area. Caleb Freeman, uh, the switch hitter, um, could be a candidate um, in the DH. Who else am I missing? Gavin um, Miller. Gavin Miller, absolutely. Gavin's come back this January, probably swinging as good a bat uh, as anybody. So there, there's four or five guys in there, and they're, they're you know they could see their way onto the field, maybe in some other places as well, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a hotly contested uh, um, spot because we do have so much um, we have so much uh, experience in other areas and and defense is uh, always at a premium. Uh, you can't play bad defense and expect to win. Period. Uh, and so, great defenders and those guys that maybe are not as good as defenders but can really swing the bat. Man, you you better stay hot um, because there's nothing else to fall back on. Uh, if, if the bat's not playing for a minute or two, and there's going to be there's going to be multiple guys who are good enough to get at bats. For, for both you guys, Javon Hernandez, the, the versatility. How valuable is that for a team? Not only versatility, but experience versatility. I guess what have you both these guys seen out of him? Well, I guess first, kind of going off of Adam's original question too. There's been a few guys like him that have versatility, and that's why the puzzle is there's more options of the way it could shake out. It's not like, hey, this guy can only play here. We've usually had about two guys on the roster that could play what we felt like was an SEC caliber shortstop. This year, we feel like we maybe have three or four. Javon, you know, is a really a prototypical second baseman, but he could bounce over and play third base. He could play center. He could play left. He could probably play right. You know, so when the season gets started, it just helps you get all your bats in the lineup. And you don't ever know who's going to get hot. You know, to Gabe's point, if somebody gets hot, you want to be able to say, hey, we'll move this guy over and we'll get that guy in. And there's a few guys like Javon that can do a few different things to help maybe get one more bat in the lineup, which you're always trying to do if possible. Yeah, we say to him at the plate, especially. <clears throat> you know, it's something that you, you have to have. The When I first started coaching, uh, the very before I did anything, I talked to Steve Renfro, who I just talked to today. We, we still have a great relationship, and he just said, Gabe, when you recruit, you better not forget about toughness. And he said, that's that's the number one thing you better look for when I think about Javon at the plate, I think about toughness. Uh, a kid that really understands what he's trying to do. Uh, he's not going to back down. He's not going to be scared of the situation. Uh, he hit 392 or 4 or whatever it was last year at Jacksonville State. He can handle himself. Um, Nothing, nothing's going to bother him, and he can handle failure. 
uh, without freaking out, which is uh, a huge indication of mental toughness uh, in this game. Can you can you have a really bad game? Can you have a couple of really bad games and it not affect you and how you view yourself? And that's uh, and he can do multiple things. He can hit and run. He can bump for a base hit. He can push in. He can drag. He can lose one. Uh, he can use the other other way uh, with two strikes. There's a lot. Uh, that he does uh, with the bat in his hands, and, and it, you know, he's he's a fairly shortened stature, uh, and if if you take that in a positive way, his swing's pretty short. Uh, he doesn't get long. Uh, he he can catch up to fastballs. There's, there's just a, there's a lot of good things to like about it. Uh, the main thing I like about it is his presence and his toughness. Yeah, yeah you talked about Ike's uh, expected increasing power and things yeah. like that. How, how many guys do you have that you? You feel good about their ability to drive the ball. In, in moments, uh, you know, there won't be many guys uh, in the lineup that I, I don't think would have the not have the ability to lose one. Um, you know, just did just the other day, Chris Chris Stanfield left the ballpark. He's definitely got the ability to do it. Derek Fabian hit one out the other way. Uh, I don't think I'm looking for either one of those guys to hit 20, but uh, they can. Uh, you know, I would say if you're if you're looking, you're going to look at the middle of the lineup, and I think you're going to find Ike there. You're going to find Cooper McMurray there. Uh, if you really look at his numbers from last year, not only is the ability to drive the ball to the ballpark, but to walk and to get on base, uh, he might be the most underappreciated part of that offense last year. Uh, and he was hurt for about three or four weeks, and so I think he only had 150 at-bats or so and still hit, I think, 14 home runs. And um, if he didn't lead us in on-base percentage, it was pretty close. Um, so Ike and Cooper, I think I think Bobby Pierce uh, – uh, could be a guy that you know only hit five home runs last year, but he hit ten the year before in two thirds of a season, and, and he hits the ball as hard as anybody on our ball club. And uh, I, I definitely think those three. And then you talk about the DH role. Uh, I think Christian Hall could, you know, everybody I mentioned in that DH role, uh, if you gave them 200 bats, could potentially hit eight, 10, 12 uh, home runs. And so. Uh, there's definitely guys that can do it. Mason Manners can get to the pull side a little bit and hit the ball out of the ballpark. And it's going to be about those guys finding their rhythm. Um, you know, as we say, getting hot uh, at the right time and going through a period of time where they really get comfortable. And at the same time, um, I may be the only hitting coach in America that never talks to his players about hitting home runs uh, ever. Uh, and we've had plenty of guys hit a lot of them, uh, but it's not something we concentrate on and. and taking good passes at the ball on mistakes thrown by pitchers result in home runs. And the guys that can do that consistently are usually going to hit balls out of the ballpark. Gabe Gross, as uh, he and Carl Nunnemaker spent a little time with the media. There's, there's a little more, but uh, it's about time for a break. And looks like news could be breaking that uh, Auburn may be in the market for another uh, position coach. We'll talk about that and more when we come back here on the Friday Drive. Uncle T-Bone here. Six, seven. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final segment of hour number one. And uh, we mentioned this yesterday and now... Uh, Matt Zenitz tweeting that the Jacksonville Jags are expected to hire Auburn's Jeremy Garrett as their defensive line coach. Uh, we, we talked about that a little bit. And, Don, I mean, there's no question. It is so enticing for college coaches if they get an opportunity to coach in the NFL right now because of so many things. But, I mean, 
it it's it's really it's just coaching. You don't have the recruiting and the re-recruiting and uh, your roster turnover like this and everybody being a free agent every year. So I mean, uh, Jeremy Garrett, a, a uh, I think a, a very highly highly thought of young up and coming coach. Yeah, looks like he's going to be leaving after one year here at Auburn. Yeah, unfortunate for us, but hey, you cannot blame the young man. Uh, we've been talking for months, almost a year. With the portal, with the uh, time-consuming job that a college job is now, and having to re-recruit your own people, uh, there's no time off. Uh, they don't have any any breaks in between, and uh, it's a great opportunity for him. You know, I don't know what his goals are. Maybe to be an NFL head coach, or maybe to come back as a college head coach, but. It's tough, but hey, a coach will get a good guy in here. There's a lot of good oppor- uh, opportunities to bring in, you know, great young coaches or older D-line coaches. But yeah, uh, and you ready he- to come back out of retirement? <laughs> wow! I, if I didn't have to do this portal and, and uh, the NIL, I can't, yeah. But yeah, I'll come back. But what they're making now? Yes. My goodness, my goodness! You just before yeah. we heard this yeah. story. You saw something about, was it the D-line coach at Clemson? I think he's making over a million. Unbelievable. Their salaries came out today. I don't know. I saw it on something. But anyway, yeah, the money's good, but the time is tough. Oh, it, it, it is pretty much – it is 24-7 now. Yeah. And, and and what people don't realize, it's not just that. you got to come in and you better write letters to these guys. You better text them. You better – and it goes on all day. You just don't come into work. I remember my mom-in-law, bless her heart, said uh, – Asked Donna one time when I was going to get a real job because she thought I just went to you know work at three o'clock in the afternoon, and came home and <laughs> went six. over to practice and yeah, came back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a time consuming, and if you have children, young children, right, you have to have a special wife. Wow, because you know it it is a tough business, but you know they are paid well, but. You know, it's a give and take. Oh, there's but, so much that's expected of them yeah. and so much of their time is. Right. And we talked right. about the SEC and the and the Big Ten getting together. It's it's about things like this. You're losing coaches. You're seeing, you know, we've head seen coaches. the Boston College head coach leave to be um, a, a coordinator in the NFL. Not like that's a huge step down or anything, but you're, you're seeing more and more college coaches that if the opportunity's there, uh, opting – for the NFL, because there is actually, uh, there are actually breaks. Yeah, for for them and their families. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind it, it had an uh, effect on why Coach Saban retired. Oh, uh, I, I, no I, question. I, I know about he it. was 72 years old, but you know, I I was shocked, but I can understand it. I mean, it's just you're fighting every day, just in your own program, right? Which, which just is trying the, to hang on yes, to these guys. Yes. And and then you're you're having to deal with other players that and and we've seen it with Alabama, 28 players going into the portal after Nick Saban announces his retirement. I mean, it's like right. it. Uh, they're just always are more people to be keeping up with and and having to. And we've seen these general managers being brought into programs. So yeah, it's, uh, so it, it it is very very difficult. So it uh, it appears Hugh Freeze has another opening on his staff. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's not that unusual after year one no. to see a decent turnover. I mean, but this is not—it's not all uh, people that just didn't fit. Jeremy Garrett was a very good fit. Uh, right. his, his players really, really liked him. Uh, recruits—I mean, he was doing yeah. a very good job on the road recruiting. Yeah. 
but it's an opportunity that's come along for him that's going to give him more time and probably, I mean, just be better for him and his family. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the timing's not great with, uh, what, another couple of days. But I don't think we have a lot of guys hanging out there that we haven't seen. No, I, I, don't, I don't think there's anybody that is uh, – that, that, will be affected as far as signees because it doesn't look like Auburn really was planning on signing anybody in the uh, signing period, which gets started next Wednesday. (laughs) The, uh, the thing is it's probably better now than in a couple of weeks when you're, when you're getting ready for spring practice. Yeah. Trying to get your uh, defense put in with two new D coordinators. Yeah. And I'm sure coach has a short list. I would be shocked if this went on very long at all. I would. Yeah. I I would expect it to be pretty quickly already. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, a very familiar name being mm-hmm. mentioned in, in uh, Rodney Garner. Right. I mean, we'll see. He's at Tennessee. Yep. He's been at Auburn multiple times. Yep. Of course, this is this is his alma mater. Yep. Uh, but I'm I'm sure he's not the only the only name on the list. But that's the thing. Yeah. Coaches have got to have you know ads have got to have their list of potential candidates for head coaches. Coaches have got to have their list of candidates for positions and coordinators. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't think that. Uh, I, there's no head coach or athletic director or president that doesn't have a, a list. Right. You have to have it, especially nowadays. Because Yeah, because there's there's going to be changes in personnel, yeah. and you better be ready for them. No doubt. All right, we're halfway done. Again, we've got uh, our Tiger Takes with Dylan Cardwell recorded earlier today by Jacob Goins of On the Drive. We'll run that in hour number two. We've got some more audio from baseball. We love your thoughts. Auburn with another opening there on the uh, on the coaching staff, football-wise. Auburn basketball tomorrow against Ole Miss in Oxford. The addition of the the uh, of, of a new video board on the north end zone, along with renovations there. The SEC and Big Twelve sort of uh, saying, "All right, we've got a big investment in the NCAA. Now we're gonna we're gonna make some uh, suggestions, if we will, if you will, to you." Those are just some of the uh, stories of the day. Love for you to join in as we head into hour number two of the Friday Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in to hour number two of the Friday Drive. Hope everybody doing well on what has been a beautiful day. And looks like we're in for another day of it for the weekend. I'm not so sure about Sunday, but uh, enjoy it while you can. This is just, uh, it is just great weather. It is uh, fun to be here with you. Always good to be with you uh, here on this Friday afternoon. Dan, still on the road with the Troy women's basketball team as they continue to really play well. Yeah, They've got uh, another game against Southern Miss before he's back in the studio on Monday. And uh, we're once again fortunate to have Coach Don Dunn here with us. Don, Thank you, Don. Yeah, it's always always fun, and and we're getting we're getting some news about a uh, a position you're familiar with, defensive line coach at Auburn. Yeah, uh, looks like Jeremy Garrett mm-hmm. heading to the NFL to be the D line coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, good for him. Um, like we said, I I understand it, and I think we're going to see a lot more of it until they get a handle on this. Uh, situation that's going on with the uh, college football right now as, as we've talked a lot 
lately. The time, uh, the portal, the you know the the money being thrown around. Uh, but the biggest thing is the time. The cons- oh yes, I, mean, I I don't think there's any question. And the money's the mo- the money can be very similar. Right, right. And uh, I tell you, it's uh, we got to do something. I mean, I don't care how tough you are, how loyal you are, how how whatever it is, dedicated. You cannot go 365, especially if you have no. a family. You've got to have a break. Yeah. There's got to be some downtime. two days. Some so, time yeah. to recharge the batteries. Right. right. And, you know, the old days, uh, we we had time off. And uh, after signing day, remember, uh, we talked before, Coach right. Tuberville would, that night, Wednesday night, we'd go out to dinner as a staff, uh, go somewhere. Uh, then he we didn't have to be back till Monday. That was That was four days. And, you know, we didn't have to get on our cell phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did, you know, as it sure. got later in recruiting. I mean, later in my career when we started texting more and stuff like that. But it, when I first started, we didn't have cell phones, so come on. And <laughs> really? we were lucky to have a quarter to find a pay phone to call a recruit in the, in the rain and snow and, you know, the old story, walk both ways and all that. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I think we're going to see more of it. You know, what 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 – what can happen after signing day Wednesday? That's when some things used oh, to you move. You know it. You know it. They're going to be – I mean, of course, there aren't as many players left to sign. Right. So that's the reason you're seeing more coaching moves right now. It yeah. used to be – That day. Boy, that, with, with, <laughs> yeah, with, within hours of the, of, the, of the announcements of the players signing, you'd see some coaching changes. And you'd see some guys get let go. Right. And uh, it wasn't just them getting another job. Sometimes they were asked to leave and uh, – it is a crazy time, but it's, it's exciting. It seems this stuff always happens on a Wednesday or a Friday. It does. Well, <laughs> a lot of times I think it's because here we go. It's yes. it's the week. It's it's the weekend time to release that. Right. Jeremy Garrett had been in the NFL. He was uh, an assistant defensive line coach for the Browns in twenty and twenty one before he went to Liberty, joining uh, Hugh Freeze there and came with him down to Auburn. Um, I mean, uh, his players really liked him. I think he was doing he he appeared he he was doing a really good job in recruiting. Auburn has yeah. Auburn has some really good recruits committed and lined up for twenty twenty five. So I think it's 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 going to be important. Hugh Freeze doesn't want this to sit for too long. Uh, before replacing Jeremy Garrett. Yeah, you you need to get a guy in here, and that's his first uh, priority is to get a hold of those kids. Uh, and if it's a college coach, they probably know him anyway. Oh, yeah. Especially if they're an SEC coach. Then, sure, they've been recruiting the same kids. Yeah, you can't hide them anymore. Uh, everybody knows who the good players are, especially if you're a D lineman or an offensive lineman because the priority of that position is you got to have them. Oh, yes, and it was interesting. I mean, when we came on, I, I, I was telling you about uh, uh, the way some folks had noticed a tweet today from Opelika. Malik Autry, uh, the outstanding defensive lineman there at Opelika, visited today by DJ Durkin and Hugh Freeze. Mm-hmm. And that it was it was interesting in that Jeremy Garrett wasn't there and because he has been a constant with Malik Autry, and I think that was sort of a – a telling sign right there, and now that now reports that are that and the he's fact gone. that they went to see him today probably maybe told him probably so that which is smart. let him know which before is it is out in in the right public face to face, not a yep. phone call, not a text. Very smart on their part. So we will uh, we'll just have to wait and see how long it is. Mentioned uh, as we went to uh, the break at the top of the hour that um, 
uh, familiar name has been mentioned as as one possibility, and, and not surprising, Rodney Garner, who is a longtime SEC defensive line coach, multiple stints at his alma mater here at Auburn. I believe he's in his second stint at Tennessee and, of course, was uh, 15 years or so at Georgia. Yep. And uh, a, a long, long track record of recruiting and developing defensive line. Yeah, uh, I've known Rodney for – for a hundred years and does a great job, a uh, good coach, good recruiter, good man, good person. Mm-hmm. And he's an Auburn guy. And, uh, you know, with this stuff going on at Tennessee, you never know. You uh, know? That's true. And, uh, sometimes you need a change, you know, to, to rekindle your spark or right. whatever. And, and, you know, the money they're making now, I mean, he might want to finish his career at Auburn. I would not be surprised at all. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, that's something we'd love for you to join us with your thoughts about as we get underway here in hour number two of The Drive, which is brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And you can uh, get through to us by calling The Drive hotline Sponsored by Skybar, that number, 334-321-1390. Or you can text us on the drive text box. And that is uh, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, who also sponsor the podcasts of The Drive. And uh, the number to get you through there, the drive text box, 334-564-1840. So uh, a lot going on. We were we were playing some uh, uh, baseball interviews a while ago. We had... Uh, some of the interviews with Auburn's Gabe Gross and Carl Nonamaker. Gabe, the outfield and hitting coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl, the uh, you know the really the defensive coach. You've got the offensive coach there in in Gabe, and the defensive coach there in Carl, and of course um, Everett Tieford and and Butch Thompson. Uh, are handling handling the pitchers, but it's funny. I mean, we, if we get a chance, we'll play a little bit more because Gabe was asked a question. I thought it was good good one by Brian. Mm-hmm. Brian asked Gabe, "What pitchers are your hitters having the most trouble with?" Because that's a good one. I mean, yeah. uh, find out from from the hitters' point of view. You know who's got the the nastiest stuff and things like that. So <laughs> if we get a chance, we'll, we'll let you hear some of that as well. But we talked that, and then obviously basketball, mm-hmm. big big basketball Ooh. game on tap for Auburn tomorrow as they travel to Oxford to take on an Ole Miss Rebels team that Auburn beat easily. I think Auburn was up nineteen or twenty at the half mm-hmm. when they played here at Neville Arena, and Ole Miss has been looking for this one. They beat Mississippi State earlier this week at home. And now they've got Auburn coming in. They have not lost a game at the TAD yet this year. They're 13-0 and at home. So it'll be quite the challenge for Auburn going in there. Um, the uh, you know Tigers bounced back. We, uh, we, uh, Denver Jones was uh, spent a few minutes with the media as well earlier today. And he's a guy that was a big factor in that win over Vandy. Hit three threes in the first half. Finished with 19 points, his Auburn high. So uh, I think that he and the guards are going to have quite the challenge as they head to Oxford tomorrow afternoon. That's a 5 o'clock start tomorrow afternoon for the Auburn Ole Miss game. It'll be 4.30 for the pregame over on Wings 94.3. I mentioned the uh, the drive hotline, 334-321-1390. Well, let's go ahead and get to it. And Spectre is up first. Hey, Spectre. 
Well, I am just tickled pink. What's that? How's you know, that? You know how I feel about Rodney Garner. Uh, there aren't many. There aren't many Auburn folks that don't have a soft spot for uh, for for oh, G, as 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 everybody calls him. That's right. Uh, I I was really tickled pink when we got him from from Georgia, but uh, man, this is this is a great opportunity for him to come back home. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll we'll have to see if if things do work out and and if he indeed is the guy. He's the first name that I've heard, but that's not a surprise because he's been here and everywhere everywhere he's been, he's done a really good job. That's right, absolutely. Well, I just wanted to get my two cents worth in there. All right, appreciate it, Specter. See you, buddy. Have a good weekend. Yeah, we will. uh, We'll see again. As we were talking a little earlier, Don, I'd be surprised if it takes. Very long to get this spot filled. Yeah, I agree, Bill. I, I think it will be within you know three or four days at the most. Uh, and this has been when did we hear this yesterday? Basically, the rumor that he was interviewing maybe or um, yeah, two days ago may have been Wednesday. Yeah, but Wednesday so, was the earliest. So we first, first I'm we sure heard this has been in the works a little bit longer. Oh yeah. So Coach Freeze has known. Uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't have his guy or two or three guys already ready to. Either bring in or name could happen tomorrow. Who knows? Well, it's interesting, and and from what Coach Freeze was telling folks down at the uh, Senior Bowl. And oh, by the way, that's coming up tomorrow yeah, as well. Yeah. Um. But you know, he was talking about how Charles Kelly was involved in the defensive coordinator search. I would imagine that uh, Charles Charles Kelly and DJ Durkin going to be involved. Yeah, no and, doubt. They'll set in if they do interview. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't even have to interview a guy like a Rodney. I couldn't see him coming in and sitting down for an yeah, interview. Yeah, well, but, Char- but, Charles Kelly was a teammate of Rodney's yeah, at Auburn. Yeah, and uh, someone with his experience. And, and you know, DJ Durkin has, yeah. has bumped into him out right. on the recruiting oh, trail yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know these guys. Oh, I yeah. Mean, uh, you compete against them. You recruit against them. You run into them all over the country. Uh, probably follow them into a home. I've, I've gone in and out of home where one coach comes in, the other leaves. Is it really like that? Yes. I mean, I remember yes. hearing stories about that. You yeah. know, back in the eighties, yeah. wondering. And I know. remember I was recruiting a kid at Western Kentucky in uh, uh, Middle Tennessee, which was our big rival. You know, uh-huh. that was our Alabama. And uh, I was recruiting a kid out of Mississippi junior college kid and uh, the middle Tennessee staff was in the home. So I just kept circling around the block, circling <laughs> around the block. nervous wreck. It was like right before dead period uh-huh. before the Wednesday signing. So I made sure I was the last guy in that house and I stayed around to about midnight. Cause that was the deadline. Then right. I left and luckily we got him. So yeah, but I've gone in before and passed him. Uh, I've gone to high schools where, Coach Cheryl would be sitting there, and then Coach Tuberville would come in, and that's kind of uncomfortable when the two head guys oh, are there, yeah, especially no with Jackie and Tommy. They they butted heads a few mm-hmm. times. Yeah, a little, yeah. little friction at times. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's it. those days, I guess it still happens. I, I'm I, sure I, it does. I, yeah, I don't know why it wouldn't, but, yeah, there's some crazy I mean, you're stories. limited to the number of in-homes and yeah. things that you have, but I'm, I'm sure it's got to happen. And you have If to, you have anything left around that uh, the last – Last few minutes before dead period. Yeah, and you, uh, and then when I was really early in my coaching career, we could go and sign them. Right, we could take the scholarship, and it's seven a.m. local time. So I've sat outside a, a few houses when I was at Montana State, and you know our big rival was Montana, the Grizzlies. We were the Bobcats, so uh, I was sitting outside, and luckily we got that kid. But uh, 
Yeah, those those days have changed with the faxes, and I guess they just send yeah, coaches them electronically. Can't, coaches can't be, be there. No. No, there was a, you know, the after Sunday night at midnight, I believe it used to be. Yep. And, yeah, and that's what it is coming yeah. up this weekend, as yeah. a matter of fact, Today's, it's going to be that. Yeah, they'll have probably kids. if They've got juniors junior coming, at, juniors oh, coming wow. in, <laughs> and there's some, I mean, at, at some places, they're still looking to sign some more high schoolers. Right. So this will be the last weekend they'll before be, the signing period starts, and then the dead period will start at midnight Sunday. Sunday night, right. Then I, I guess the rule's the same. I need to get caught up on this. You were only allowed one phone call. Between Sunday night and like Tuesday, I, I'm sure that's changed. I well, I'm not. I, I'm pretty sure that it has. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, players yeah. can be contacted. See, now that there's social media, there's yeah. so many different ways you could folks can be it. contacted. Right. So I don't think there's a limit to that. Right. There just can't be any face to face. Right. Yeah. There were some crazy rules and uh, good rules. So. And uh, that that NCAA rule book is so thick. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> it's like we, we had to take a test every year, and uh, yeah, and it was it was tough. Oh, I'm I'm uh, I I got to know it better than I thought I would <laughs> uh, a couple of times. I mean, just trying to find things out, but it's like yeah, it's like the LA phone book or something oh, yeah. is what it was like. I yeah. mean, that thing is uh, massive. All right, we will get to our first break here of hour number two. Love for you to join in. Anything on your mind sports-wise, don't forget, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we've got uh, Tiger Takes with Dylan Cardwell. Couldn't catch up with him yesterday, so Jacob Goins uh, got him this morning, and we'll run that. We also have some more audio from Gabe Gross, Carl Nunnemaker. We could uh, run some of that as well, but your calls come first. 334-321-1390 as we continue with the Friday Drive. Conservative Japan on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon, about to be evening, but it's great. Great that the sun's still shining at 520. It hasn't set yet, uh, and we're going to have another, at least one more nice day. Yeah, we were talking about Auburn baseball. They are scrimmaging. They are scrimmaging right now, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. Uh, then they're scrimmaging at 130 tomorrow, and then if weather permits, 3 o'clock on Friday so uh, I, I'd uh, encourage you, you know, if you, if you don't have anything to do tomorrow afternoon and you're, uh, you know, you, you're, you're taking a break, I think, I think the Missouri-Vandy game is about the time that Auburn will be scrimmaging tomorrow. Probably be more interesting to watch Auburn baseball scrimmage <laughs> yeah. than Missouri and Vandy tomorrow. Uh, so you could head over and, and check out the – you see how the renovations are going there at Plainsman Park and uh, catch that because tomorrow it looks like it's going to be another beautiful day just like today. Yeah, I think we're good till maybe Saturday night. Yeah, so so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentioned baseball and and uh, that that we had the opportunity to spend some time with uh, Gabe Gross and Carl Nunnemaker. Ran some of that a little while ago. Since we don't have any calls right now, thought we'd let you hear some more of the comments from the Auburn assistant baseball coaches. Uh, Gabe, uh, Stanfield, do you think he's um, ready to be that consistent guy at the top of the world that can really impact games, put a lot of pressure on the defense? Is he sort of ready for that in year two? I, I think he can be. I, I think we have so much experience that I think, that, to be honest with you, you could see 
the top one to two guys in the order and the eight nine in the order almost flip-flop a couple times during the season because the type of players they are i think you could see chris at one or two i think you could see him at eight and eight or nine um because you got guys like javon uh, hernandez you got guys like mason uh you got cooper weiss uh who could be in, in those positions and there's a lot of experience and it's just going to be a little bit of, of how i feel like it all fits together uh, but i definitely think uh chris is um chris is ready for that but there's probably three or four other guys that are kind of vying for that role and and you could like i said you could almost see him split uh at the bottom and the top which kind of gets me excited uh, to be honest with you i mean most of the time you're yeah your big innings are 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 happening your your three four five guys are doing it but it's usually the back end of the lineup that gets something going and all of a sudden it flips to the front end and now you're going down those guys and having some guys in that eight nine that, that can really get on base and and set things up for the front end is, is going to be interesting and in how we, we feel like if this season progresses, uh, who's best in those roles. Uh, one thing he that, that Chris is definitely ready for is, is center field, uh, just watching him run balls down. Uh, and Kaysen was such a blessing there for five years. And um, Chris is going to have some learning experience just being there and being the captain, but his ability to go get it is second to none. Jason. I don't, think, I don't think we mentioned Cooper yet. Uh, this is Cooper McMurray having him back. Um, the year he built on last year, what have you seen out of him you know, since then? There was so much good stuff that happened last year with, you know, Joseph Gonzalez coming back and Christian Herberholz and Tanner Bauman. You know, and when we were in the offices even, you know, last summer, you know, Cooper's a guy that maybe could have gone on to play professional baseball. And he, he's just one of those guys, you hear the term profile, and he just profiles so well. He plays really good defense. He really knows the game to Gabe's, you know, and then he, he walks, he hits home runs and, and stuff like that. So not having him for a few weeks this fall, you could just feel sometimes the, the space that he takes up in a lineup. Just him coming up a little bit later, things like that, protecting other guys. But it's then going out to the defensive side of the ball and just, you know, making great plays, game-saving picks, and, you know, he's an accurate thrower. He moves well, and so... He's, he's a really, really good baseball player, and Gabe said it. I agree 100%. I think he's one of the most underrated baseball players in college baseball um, for all the things that he does. Yeah, I, I, I guess I don't want to put too much pressure on Cooper. Um, he, he is, he is as, as important to me, to our lineup, as, as Ike, as Bobby, anybody. Um, I think he, he brings a leadership role that is um, much needed. Um, it's not loud and in your face, um, but everybody respects that guy uh, for how he handles himself, how he approaches other players, and his numbers uh, that he has put up. I, when you're looking at lineups, if you if you throw, you know, if you throw Ike out there and, and you don't put people around him, people are going to pitch around him. Um, Bobby a little bit in, in the same mode, and uh, Cooper's a guy because of his eye, because of his ability to take walks, because of his ability to handle left-handed and right-handed pitches. His splits are, are very comparable that you can use that guy to kind of make sure that they're respecting the guys in front of him. And he handles uh, being in that position so well that, you know, when, when Cooper's sitting behind either Ike or Bobby or maybe both of them, I mean, you're going to be worried about not letting Ike and Bobby get on base because you don't want Cooper McMurray sitting up there with a couple guys on base because he's that type of player. And so he, he in my mind, is as important as anybody in our lineup um, for a lot of different reasons.
Uh, Gabe, turn around a minute. Um, what pitchers are giving you guys the most trouble <laughs> swing and miss so far through the preseason? You know, probably the guy that is to me looked the best uh, that I'm really excited about, and we've been kind of waiting on it. And you saw some glimpses last year is Chase Olson. Um, he is his stuff has not changed, but his command, his ability to land his off-speed pitches. Uh, throw him in any count has given length and life to the fastball, which is what happens, you know, when a, when a hitter's got to worry about the slider and the curveball and maybe even a changeup every once in a while. All of a sudden, even 95, 96 turns into it's by you, and when all you got to worry about is the fastball, I don't care how hard you throw, hitters gonna find a way to turn it around. And so his his first outing, and he'll throw again today, but his first outing, he was mixing three pitches, I think, up to 97. I think it started at 94, and it kind of built which is awesome to see. It didn't start at 97 and waned to 94. It, it built through his three innings, and uh, it was really, really sharp. And he was that way uh, in the fall. It, you could see it kind of coming. And, um, you know, Will Cannon um, is, is probably, I won't say our best competitor, because you can have different competitors, but, man, Will Cannon takes the mound with an attitude uh, that, I, that I love at the back end of games. Uh, Herbal Holtz, seeing Joseph out there, um, you know, Joseph – his arm, the life in his arm, uh, is as good, if not better, than any point in time that I've seen it. And he still needs some some innings under his belt to get the fine command and all that all that kind of stuff back. But a um, couple couple of um, couple of new guys who that split. Why am I freaking out? Yeah, Cam Tilly. Ooh, uh, you talking about getting hitters talking? Uh, they 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 don't see splits like that very often. They kind of I've heard some of our older guys, Hurston Waldrop at Florida. Uh, with his split last year, you know, comparing him, his breaking ball uh, as well. And then I think to our lefties, I think a guy that I don't know how much it's been talking about, but I know our lefties don't like Kepler a whole lot. Uh, freshman, big-time breaking ball, sinker back underneath your hands. And, of course, uh, Tanner Bauman, I think, is the uh, the rock of that, that bullpen. Um, he's a catch-all guy. He could close it. He could close the game. Um, he can get righties out, change up really good, sink in the lefties with that arm angle, the slider coming back. Uh, our guys don't like him very much. You could also see him, hey, we need three innings uh, in a top ball game, and he might be a guy who threw out for three innings. And then the next weekend, uh, you know, Cannon has to, to, I don't know if we've announced him, but he's probably going to be at the, the back end of the, the ball game somewhere, throws on Friday night, and Bauman may be the guy that closes, you know, the next night if we don't have him or something like that. So uh, that's a, a, a probably a lot, uh, but uh, th- those are just some of the guys that, that popped into my brain. Comments there from uh, Auburn assistant baseball coaches Gabe Gross, Carl Nunnemaker earlier this afternoon. Again, Auburn baseball gets started two weeks from today. Boy, I hope the weather is anything like what we've had the last few days. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, we'll get some cold weather. We always do. Oh, but you know, hey, it always happens. Yeah, and like we were talking earlier, Bill, the uh, major league uh, pitchers and catchers report They'll be reporting first of that week. Yeah. So two weeks from today is the start of uh, college baseball. And earlier that week, you're going to see pitchers and catchers reporting down in Florida and Arizona. Yeah. Just hopefully the weather will stay good and uh, it'll be here before we know it. We, uh, yeah, we're, we're coming up on the bottom of the hour break. Uh, Again, uh, we didn't get a chance to get with our regular Thursday afternoon tiger takes interview time with uh, Dylan Cardwell. Uh, things came up yesterday, just couldn't get with, get up with him, but Jacob Goins of on the line got, uh, had some time with, that he was able to spend with Dylan earlier today. So tiger takes will be coming up when we come back.
here on the Friday Drive. At ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. And as I mentioned, we normally have Tiger takes on Thursday, but uh, couldn't connect with Dylan Cardwell yesterday. But fortunately, Jacob Goins, I'm on the line, was able to uh, catch up with Dylan earlier today. So we have a Tiger takes, a special Friday Tiger takes for you. Tiger takes, of course, brought to you by the Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. Dylan Cardwell joining us here on ESPN 106.7. I'm your man Jacob Goins for Tiger Takes. Again, Dylan Cardwell, Auburn Basketball Center with us for his weekly segment on ESPN 106.7. Dylan, great to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit as uh, it's been a very busy couple of weeks for you and for this Auburn basketball team where um, it has had a couple of losses in there, but then you got to bounce back from a nice win or with a nice win, I should say, with Vanderbilt. Uh, Let's talk about the two-game stretch where you went on the road to Alabama and then on the road to Mississippi State. Uh, Two tough losses on the road in the SEC, man. Kind of break those down for us. Yeah, you know – I'm pretty sure you guys have heard Coach talk about it. But, you know, we heard we held Mississippi State and Alabama to their worst shooting lows of, you know, their home season. So we played amazing defense. You know, we held Mississippi State to 12 points, you know, in the first half with like seven minutes left to go. Mm-hmm. Pretty low scoring first half. You know, we, we're playing pretty good defense, I would say. It's just our offense has just been struggling, uh, whether it's people shooting or whether they're finishing around the rim. It's just been some kind of disconnect. Well, what is it about going on the road, not just at college basketball, but, man, in the SEC, one of the best conferences in college basketball, what makes it so tough to go and win on the road? Well, I think, obviously, players are playing elevated. You know, um, you said it's just that confidence. And you, know, you have people making plays they don't usually make uh, when they're at home. And people are they, – they, they like, they're like 15 points better mm-hmm. as a team. And so um, – that's pretty much all it is, really. That's why it's hard to win because you're playing a much elevated team who has a confidence of, you know, 10,000, 20,000 people behind their back. It's just hard to get, it's hard to get going. And I feel like for people who aren't used to playing on the road, it's, it's just a mental, you know, it's all mental. Uh, at the end of the day, it's the basketball game on a, on a court, you know. Whether it's away or home, it's just basketball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same game, right? Same game, same time frame and everything else. The court doesn't change sizes or anything on you. It's just, you know, you're playing in tough arenas and hostile crowds. And look, I don't have to tell you this, man. Opposing fans show up when Auburn comes to town. That's a, that's a hot ticket yeah. on the road. Yeah, I agree, man. We sell, we, we, uh, we sell to go out, so. Oh, you're fun to watch, man, and, and you know, a top 15, top 10 team throughout the season. I mean, people want to get in the building and, and see what that's about, and they did that against Alabama, and they did that against Mississippi State, unable to get wins in those games. And I'm curious here, this was a big talking point for a lot of people. You guys stayed on the road during that stretch, right? You went to Alabama and went straight to Starkville, did not come back to Auburn, correct? Yep. How was that kind of? How was that road trip for you guys? I mean, I, the losses aside, how was just being out on the road and not coming home in between games? I mean, what was that like? 
it was fun for me. I just wish it was a more eventful place <laughs> than start the Mississippi. <laughs> that was uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, but it was it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it because you know that's what you know that's what life after college really is. You know whether you're playing in the NBA or you're playing elsewhere, you know you don't you get these long road trips and you don't really get to go home in between games. So I enjoyed it. Got to get another taste of what the NBA is like. You know, minus the city part. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I had fun. It was just a little. A little more film, uh, way less basketball. So we weren't allowed to like shoot. You know what I'm saying? We didn't get to shoot much. Uh, but it was like it was, it was just fun to be with my teammates for a lot long of a period of time because you, you know get to bond more, play more video games and stuff like that. So I I enjoyed it. There but you I feel go. Like some players were fatigued about it. Yeah, and I feel like you know everybody everybody kind of feels different whether they you know want to sleep in your own bed or, or tired of traveling or whatever. I mean, it everybody kind of you know takes it a little bit differently. But after that road trip, right, you get to come home for a game. You had Vanderbilt on Wednesday night. Auburn wins eighty-one to fifty-four. Just another dominant defensive performance. Offense was looking good, and uh, you guys put on another good performance for the home crowd. Yes, sir. You know, that's what we're all about. And we're trying to get going on, on the on the road, so we'll see how this old Miss trip goes. You know, Vandy was a good team; they came well prepared, and you know, thankfully, they were able to hit some shots. Denver hitting some big shots, so it was, it was just a fun game. Yeah, what was it like to see uh, to see Denver kind of come out and, and really, I think, probably have its best game wearing wearing the orange and blue? Yeah, it was fun because that's who Denver really is. That's, that's the Denver that we saw all summer. So I've always known the potential was there, and I've always said, you know. He's a, a a volume shooter. He needs a lot of shots. He has games where he only gets one shot. He has games where he only gets a couple of shots. But this game, he got probably like ten. So it was just, you know, good to finally see him have a chance to really shoot the volume he's used to into that FIU. What you know? What were some of the messages, Dylan? As as we're talking with Dylan Cardwell, uh, Auburn Basketball Center here on ESPN 106.7 for the weekly Tiger Takes segment. What were some of the focuses for for you in particular, and then for this team coming out of those two losses, trying to get another win? What were some of the things that were were focused on and that you worked on uh, before the Vanderbilt game and kind of in that Vanderbilt game also? Yeah, everybody just to keep it simple and plain. Everybody was focused on rebounding. We were okay. One of the worst uh, defensive rebound teams in the league. Um, we got out rebounded five of our last seven games inspired as Vanderbilt. You know, we beat Ole Miss by like 20 something, but they out rebounded us by 16, which is kind of crazy. And so we just always have struggled to end possession. And so he was, BP was more focused on, you know, the guards, you know, coming down and cracking down and rebounding because, you know, our guards numbers haven't been great in the rebounding section. And usually the guards, players who are using opposite opposing rebounds. So everybody was focused on rebounding and checking out. Um, BP made a joke that we would be checking out uh, and doing box outs for an hour and a half. In practice, which is <laughs> now everybody's focused, really. Like, let alone, obviously, we're, we're a great defense team. You already know that's already in our DNA. But we have to work on ending possessions. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that what rebounding wins games, man. It's not a sexy stat by any means. You know that. It's not a it's not an attractive one by any means, but I mean it, it, it helps you win games and you guys did that against Vanderbilt out rebounding them forty five to thirty four. And Dale, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. You guys are too tall, too lengthy, too athletic not to be going against the rebounds, man. Yeah, I agree. I I'm the same way, so it doesn't make sense. 
Absolutely. Well, look, you guys got a nice bounce back win, taking down Vanderbilt, 81-54, getting back in the win column. But there are no off weeks in the FCC as you're back on the road on Saturday, taking on Ole Miss, hostile crowd. Uh, They will sell out. I promise you that over there in Oxford. What can you tell us about this upcoming game? Yeah, you know, same scouting for last time, but with the realize that they're going to be like 15 or 20 points better. And then obviously you see that crowd's all hyped over the water, boys. So imagine how hyped they're going to be over us uh, coming in town. So we need to make sure that we're a more excited team and more prepared team and be locked into the scouting for also rebound and box out. That's really all it takes. And making sure that, you know, we play great defense like we're supposed to. BP talked about this week how, Dylan, you and this team match up well with with Ole Miss and other people have talked about that as well, which is what led to to a you know a, a commanding victory over them the first time around, 82 to 59. But yeah, you're on the road and, and I like how you're wording that, man. 10 to 15 points better, if not more, when they're on, you know, when they're on their home floor. What is it about your team compared to Ole Miss that, yeah, I think you guys do match up pretty well? You know, obviously our defense and their offense is just a pretty good matchup. And I feel like our, our depth is a great counterbalance to their, you know, top four guys. And so I feel like also a lot of matchup well because we have 10 guys that can all, you know, go for 10 points or whatever. And you never know who to scout for. Any specific game could be anybody's given night. So I think that's why we match up well because we're not as deep as we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and man, I gotta ask, with that depth, it's something that everybody talks about with this Auburn team. Do you do you feel better now that we're getting into February, right? It's it's that it's that point in the season where it's like, man, it's been a long season and we still got a pretty long way to go. Do you and everybody else on the team physically feel better since you're not having to play such long thirty, thirty five minutes a night? Yeah, there's not really much aches and pains going around. There's no injuries, thank the Lord. So I feel like that's, that's a great testament to, you know, the system you have in place. You know, there's no reason to play guys 40, 38 minutes and they're going to be sore the next game. So uh, I think we all feel fine. We all feel great. We're all healthy. Dylan Cardwell from Auburn Basketball joining us here on ESPN 106.7 for our weekly Tiger Take segment on the road at Ole Miss. Then next week, not to look ahead too much, Dylan, but it's the return trip for the Crimson Tide in Alabama coming back here to Auburn on a Wednesday night. And what a uh, what a great crowd that's going to be at Neville Arena. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. You got to be excited about that. And, uh, you know, I want to I want to get into a little bit here about Aiden Holloway who is a superstar we know that he's going to be so great in this sport in this league and then of course at the next level as well but been a little bit of a of a slump so far just offensively not feeling a shot right now and I asked Denver Jones in the postgame show uh, or in the in the press conference postgame press conference the other night about um, just what he te- what he says to Aiden in this type of time where he just is not not the shots just not falling, man. So how have you guys kind of helped pick him back up until he he gets back on his feet? I'm really just being there for him and making him allowing him to understand that you know these things happen. You know, you're a freshman, you're young, you have time. There's no need really to rush, you know. And then kind of just being more wise in your shot selections, you know. He does take some pretty hard shots, mm-hmm. but these are shots that he can make. But I just have to—I feel like he wants to understand that, you know, that if I turn a shot down for a teammate, then the ball starts coming my way more and more. I just feel like, you know, with the five-star status by his name, 
and obviously the, I can't understand or comprehend the amount of outside pressures he's dealing with as far as expectations and stuff. Once he just lets all that go and he's just present where his feet are, I feel that's when things really turn around. Well, I think everybody's confident that, that he's going to get it figured out. And, and something I've talked about in the afternoons, Dylan, is is when March comes around, you need a guy like Aiden who has, has the ability to hit those big shots, go on a solo run. And, and man, that's how you win in March. You know that. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah, he ain't, ain't going to be in the slump always. You know, trouble don't last always. And it's going to turn around, you know, sooner rather than later. That's right. Dylan Cardwell joining us here on ESPN 106.7 for Tiger Takes. Man, hey, y'all have a fantastic time. Uh, good luck on, on Saturday, tomorrow night, as you guys will be traveling over to Oxford and uh, should be a really, really good game, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Our thanks to uh, Jacob Goins, able to catch up with Dylan a little earlier today for Tiger Takes, proudly presented by the Alsobrook Law Group on the web at Law. Dot com. Yep, Auburn and Ole Miss tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon, if you will. 5 o'clock tip, 4.30 is the airtime over on Wings 94.3. We'll run down the SEC schedule, look at some of the, I mean, there's some huge matchups around the country as well. Still time for you to join in, 334-321-1390, as we head to our final break here on the Friday Drive. Inspired by the Bold Bison. 